What is up, guys? Man, we are live here on the Blue Bloods, another team conference preview, and we're covering Jackson State, man, and I couldn't think of a better guest to have on the show to do this other than my guy Kobe, the CFL podcast, man. I know a lot of you guys already tune into his stuff, man, but Kobe, what you been up to and you know what's coming down the pipeline for you right now, man? Man, first of all, thank you for having me on, uh, man. It's, it's always a pleasure to be on your show, bro, because I know, like, you are so thorough with what you do. Um, but, you know, as far as, like, what I got coming, just um, a lot more a lot more recruiting stuff. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of changes coming that I can't really speak on because I would give it all away. So, like, I can really just keep it to a minimum right now. Like, just some recruiting stuff, some more videos on the MEAC, and, you know, like, just same old, same old until, until about 18, 19 days from now. Man, I I don't I don't think I think the spring season for FCS fans really spoiled us last year because I don't know about you, man. This has felt like the longest all season of all time. Like I feel like we haven't had football in like two years, man. It's it's been crazy, bro. Ever since ever since they got Travis Hunter, I was waiting. I have been waiting, and it, it like it just couldn't get here fast enough. You know, it seems like after that announcement, I was waiting to see footage of him. After that, I was waiting to see footage of the whole team, you know, and like and what everybody else is doing. It, it just seems like, nah, it can, it can never get here fast enough. Even now, we're like less than 20 days away. It still can't get here fast enough, bro. Like, it's, I, I don't know. All, all we can do is wait. Man, I, you know, I got the whole trip planned this upcoming next weekend for the MEAC SWAC Challenge, man. I'm just like itching. Like, I'm like, I might leave Monday and just sit at the stadium for five days and just, <laughs> I, I need, I, I need to see this game, man. But, Let's kick it off here with the most recent news. I know we both made episodes on it, but we've kind of had a few days to sit on it, kind of gauge the media's reaction and the fans' reaction. Mike Zimmer coming into the program for Jackson State, um, former Super Bowl-winning defensive coordinator, uh, a winning record head coach of the NFL. I mean, almost a 60% win percentage, which is outrageous, three times to the playoffs. What was your initial reaction, and how are you looking at it now that it could potentially affect JSU's coaching staff behind the scenes with Mike Zimmer in the building? My first reaction was I have never seen a coach so hell-bent on trying to right his wrongs from the previous season. I mean, man, Prime is on a mission. You know, I, I saw this, and I immediately thought that defense, there should be no, no reason for that defense not to be even more dominant than they were last season because it seems like everything is coming in place. You know, you got with the guys that you've got, the guys that you've added, and now Mike Zimmer um, kind of having a relationship with and giving, um, giving advice to – Coach Thurman, who has the number one defense already in the swag, I mean, how could that not get more deadly? Like, you know, how 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 is that not just a good thing for Jackson State? I don't really see it deterring them at all. On top of that, I looked at it from a recruiting standpoint, and I said, damn. You know, like, when you look at these top recruits, right, they always the, – the thing with Jackson State is, can you really get into the pros? When I had Tyler Parker on, that was his concern. Tavion Galloway, that was his concern. Um, and these are these are guys who are like some of the top prospects in their class. So now that you've added Mike Zimmer, you continue to get all of these guys who aren't that far away from the league, or, you know, not having been out in the league that long, you know, you can go back to them and say, hey, you know, we have the pieces in place. We have the guys who've been at this level and who isn't far removed, still has connections in the NFL. We can get you to where you want to go. This is nothing but good things for Jackson State, and I still feel that way. 
Yeah, you know, my, my initial episode, I talked I talked a little bit about that, about how behind the scenes with the scheme and the film breakdowns and filling holes each week with help with 40 plus years of experience, man. I mean, that's invaluable. And I think the connections that Coach Prime is utilizing, because Mike Zimmer, let's just be honest, Mike Zimmer is not taking an analyst job anywhere right. else in the country. Right. Nowhere. Like Bama, Georgia, like not even in the NFL. Like this is insane that he's at an FCS program making no money, even though he is getting, I think, what, $8 million, $7 million from the Vikings still? I, I thought it was like 15 so. it, it might be. Listen, he's getting millions. It, it is it's six. I mean, it's like seven figures. So, uh, But one of the things that I thought about um, afterwards, and I talked with um, Ken Clark and Zoe. If you guys missed that, we went live at like 1.30 in the morning the other day. So go check out Ken's channel. But the one thing I talked about is I was looking at some of the other GAs and analyst on this staff man a lot of them are just getting into coaching and could you imagine just being able to sit in a room you're new to a field you're looking for opportunities to build your career and you get to talk to mike zimmer every day and work with him and pick his brain and pick up on his work habits his study habits what he sees in the film and apply that to your job in the future and i think i don't remember the guy's name because i know it's hard to pronounce it was the guy that the 14 hung 100 Club just interviewed where he utilized his connections that he made in football and got a job at, I believe, the NFL Network. I don't think people. Oh, uh, I it's hard the to pronounce. Quarterback from last year. Yeah, yeah I, I it was the backup quarterback. Um, and what I was telling, you know, Ken and Zoe is that I don't think people realize how hard it is to really make it to the NFL and how many of these guys are going to have to utilize their connections and their degrees to go elsewhere after they're done playing football. And I think Mike Zimmer coming in and, and having those connections on top of Thurman, on top of Coach Prob, on top of some of the other coaches, I think that is a storyline underneath of all this that a lot of people miss and I think is probably going to be even more important than what Zimmer can do on the field. Uh, truly, truly, because, you know, everybody can't make it to the league playing-wise, but you can <clears> – <throat> Part of their goal is to not only get kids to the league playing-wise, but Coach Prime really wants to make sure these kids career-wise. Like He wants to set you up after you're done playing football so that you're in a good position as a man. Like He truly wants to make these kids men, uh, you know, professional men. So the fact that you're able to get um, connections like this and you were able to put Corey Lyles, that's his name, Corey yeah. Lyles in, the, in a spot like that, you know, it, it, it's, it pays dividends. It speaks dividends. Even when I interviewed some of these kids – for Jackson State, all of them didn't really have their their process on their their thought process on the NFL. A lot of them were speaking to you know once I'm done, I wanna I wanna take up this and like I wanna do this and you know I believe that Jackson State and their connections can get me there. So now nah, this this can only help Jackson State. Coach Zimmer is going to come in and he's going to do a lot more than what they were able to. He's going to be able to add to that what what they're doing for Jackson State and their players. And uh, real talk, man, I appreciate the donation, man. But um, the analyst, so under NCAA rules, cannot work one-on-one -on -one with the player. So he cannot be involved in any player development coaching on the field. So what an analyst does is a lot of behind-the-scenes work. So they do a lot of film work in terms of, you know, cutting up film, analyzing film, uh, scouting other teams. A lot of the behind-the-scenes works that you see assistants do off the field is what an analyst does so what you want for an analyst is is the more football knowledge an analyst has the better because they're going to be doing a lot of the scouting film work behind the scenes and helping the coaching staff prepare game plans and things like that so that's really the main roles of an analyst now, i'm sure there's some other underneath 
that duties in terms of reaching out to, in terms of recruiting and things like that. But really an analyst is just a coach that's not going to be able to work one-on-one -on -one with the players on the field, man. If, if you want to add to that CFL, man, you can. Man, when you, when you think about that, right, like just how, how you uh, broke down his job description, how big that is, because, you know, one of the one of the I would I, I don't want to say weak points, but one of the things that they could have improved on last year was, you know, adjustments and game plans and how they ended, you know, games against certain opponents. You know, a lot of us argued that they out talented a lot of people, but the game plan wasn't really what it should be. Um, now you get a guy who at the highest of the highs when it, um, when it comes to levels of football knows how to make a game plan for an opponent knows how to read film better than anybody else, right? He knows how to do these things and do it well, like do it effectively and apply that to what you have at Jackson state with that talent. That's going to go a long way when you, when you face these guys, like when, like a Campbell, when you know nothing about, you know, or, or say like a, like a Tennessee State, who you do know something about. It's, it's going to help you. It's going to help you because you're going to go into that game a lot more prepared. You're going to go into that game, you know, like, okay, if this don't work out, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to go here. Like, I just – I love this move overall. Like, I love the fact that he's an analyst for them. They, they don't need him to uh, to go ahead, go ahead and work one-on-one -on -one with these players. Would it have been nice? Sure. But I think this is a perfect role for them. Yeah, I mean, uh, I I'm interested to see how it pays off throughout the season. I think watching how this team evolves, because we, we I think last year people talked about how the O-line never progressed throughout the season, but teams are so different from week one to week five to week 10 mm -hmm. and, 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 and I guess forward on that. So I think that's where the impact's going to be is watching Jackson State evolve throughout the season. So I don't know if you guys are going to see a lot of the impact of Zimmer and some of these top analysts until you watch this team evolve throughout the season, but Let's go into, you know, uh, let's get this question because I've already had two of these. Listen, Travis, from what I've told, is going to be on campus this week, back on campus this week, and is going to dress out for FAMU. I, I don't know if you've heard anything different, C, but that's at least what I was told this weekend. Yeah, a, a, a lot of people have been worried about Travis. Not I, I can guarantee y'all Travis is fine and Travis will be in pads week one. Don't think that, you know, he's going to miss it. That injury was really not that bad, but they are in no position to rush him back. Hell, I wouldn't rush him back. You know, like I fully healed from that from that uh, that sprain or whatever it was. It was you know it was such a small injury. They saw him in the boot and they went crazy. No, like fully healed from that. Travis is going to be healthy for week one. I can promise you that. Yes, he will be back on campus this upcoming week. You know, they will gradually work him back in the pads, but there is no reason to rush him. There's no reason. So no, nah, he he's he's good. He'll be there for week one. I promise you. Yeah, that, I, I was, I'm going to echo the same thing, man. Shout out to Doc, man. Appreciate the donation. But, man, let's get into some new players. There's a lot of players to replace. Antoine Owens, James Houston, <laughs> even even Keith Corbin at the wide receiver spot. Who were some players that might not have been, you know, the superstars last year that you were excited to watch this upcoming season in 2022 for Jackson State? Uh, Shane Hooks. Shane Hooks has really been on his bully uh, from the clips that I've seen and from the people that I've talked to, he's grown into that body. He's learning how to use his size to his advantage. And, you know, he's, he's they, they're saying he's a completely different person from what we've seen last year. Also, K-5, Kevrick Wiggins. I mean, my goodness, the coverage skills have increased tremendously. He's a lot more physical. That's that's what I love about him. He added the, he, He's a lot more physical in his game now. So uh, Shane Hooks, K-5. 
I would I I can't wait to see how Cam has progressed um in the in his coverage in the coverage area of his game. Shiloh's gonna be out for a little bit. I was really anticipating I was really anticipating to see how good he'll be. Um, but those three guys, those three guys, Shane Hooks, K five, and you know eventually Shiloh whenever he returns. You know those those are it for me. Those are the guys who you know are gonna be are gonna be it. Now I saw somebody in the comments say Quay. We didn't get to see Quay last year, so I can't really. I can't put him there, but of course, you know, we wait, we waiting for his first day out, of course. And, you know, for me, I think Gregory Great's the first one that comes to mind for me, just because of the experience that he brings to the safety spot. And I think he is like, when I watch oh, we, his game, we, I mean, talking about, we talk, oh, anybody, I, thought, I mean, it could, it could be oh, anybody on the team. I thought it was people who was no, on the team go last ahead, year. man. Yo, you, hey, no, you can, you can say some new people too, man. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Uh, Dallas Daniels. Rico oh, man, Powers. You, took my, you, you took mine on that one. Yeah. I heard he is balling. Dallas Daniels is straight balling. And, and you know, that's the thing. People, the the four-star receiver from South Carolina, Rico Powers, oh, he's balling too. He's not getting named like he should be, but he is balling. He's killing dudes. Right. And then of course you then of course you got Quay. Um they, like there's so much talent. I can just I can just go on every single edition in the wide receiver room um, as well. But like you mentioned, Joker, like seeing him and what he was able to do at just that scrimmage today, I think he had a pick, but he was like everywhere on the field. Like he was, he was just covering everything. Nah, like the, that, that, if, if we're talking about just new guys overall, nah, those, those are my picks for sure. Zach Bro, too. Listen, I'm, I have the O-line in me. I always got to give up to the O-line. Zach Bro to me, man. I, I know, uh, from what I was told, he's the best O lineman they got on campus right now, throughout fall camp, and I, I think that speaks to his experience, his his leadership too. Because I think, you know, I talked with Ken and some other people about this. Even Scotty, you know, they didn't have a the center supposed to be the quarterback of the offensive line, and I felt like there was no communication. Like if you if you expected the right guard to communicate to the left tackle, he could not do it. It just they didn't have that, and that's why I think when you looked at Jablonski and that South Carolina State D-line, they were able to use stunts to just completely confuse that offensive line last year. And if you had a good center that could communicate across the offensive line, that doesn't happen because he's calling out things. And even while in mid-play, you are still got to be able to communicate to know who has who and when. And and no, and I also, just to chemistry, man, you got to know – you know, I talked to some former O-linemen that were at the scrimmage, and they said they're getting better at understanding, okay, the guy next to me, he likes to drop back this far. That means I have to adjust my drop to this. That way there's not a huge hole. Or when we step in zone blocking schemes, we know exactly how far to step, how quick to step, and things like that. And I think those are all the intricacies that if you haven't played O-line, it's really hard to understand how important that is. But Zach Broman, I'm excited. You mentioned great and De- and Daniels, man. I don't think people, I know, I get it. You know, he didn't come with all the stars that a lot of the other guys have. So I felt like, and with him only having, you know, a year or so of eligibility, I think a lot of people overlooked him coming in just because of Kevin Coleman coming in. And you ha- still have Malachi and Rucker. And I mean, the list goes on and on, Rico Powers. But when you combine, when you look at the experience he brings, I think he is the best replacement for what Keith Corbin brought to the team last year. Same. Just you got to have that intermediate threat, man, because I think Shador really made a living all, especially toward the end of the season. You could say it. He was just consistently finding Corbin Malachi would give you the big plays downfield. But when you looked at in between, you know, from the 20 to the 20, man, it was Keith Corbin getting him up and down the field. And then Malachi would go deep and, you know, body a DB just because, you know, of his frame. But I, I'm excited to see what D- Dallas Daniels does. And from what I'm hearing, 
man, I don't I don't see how he doesn't see the field early and often for this Jackson State team. I believe he will see the field early and often for this Jackson State team. The the question is, you know, how often? Like how how yeah. are they gonna do this whole wide receiver thing? Because they have so much. But now, like when I when I first saw Daniels, I immediately said to myself, when you need a conversion on third down, like third and long, when you just need that catch, he's the guy who's gonna come up with it. You know, not it's not gonna be Malachi and it might not be Quay or anybody else, but it's going to be him. He's consistent and he's reliable, and that's something that I just saw from watching him. So now I I agree with you that Dallas is definitely gonna be that dude. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, man, because I, I put Ken and Zoe on the spot, and all three of us had completely different answers. Let's say you got four wide receivers to run out there to start for Jackson State this season. Uh-huh. Who do you think is going to go out there? I've been thinking about this for a minute. Like, cause they, <laughs> oh, my God, it's so much. I've been thinking about this for a long time. So I'm going to go Dallas. All right. I'm going to go – I'm going to go Kevin – I'm going to go Quay, and who I'm going to go with that fourth one. And then I'm going to go Shane. That's, 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 that's going to that's gonna be it for me. I, I don't think that's bad. You know, I got Rucker in mind. For, from what I'm hearing, man, Rucker's taking a major step forward. I think people forgot, you know, how well he developed last year. That's still a very, very young player who is, is coming up. And I know Cam Buckley's been doing this thing. I just don't see him breaking in. I think Kevin Coleman, Dallas Daniels, I got Rucker, and then it's, man, between Hooks, possibly Malachi for that last spot. Mm. And then because, you know, with Quay, it's going to be different because, you know, I, I, Quay is going to be that – he's, he's going to be such a – Like a gadget be, guy? Like that's yeah. they're using him at? Yeah. So I just don't know where he's going to fit in, and I I think they're going to have certain sets for him in certain situations where they're, where they're going to have him on the field. But when I look at those every down wide receivers, I just don't see – I don't see Daniels coming off the field a lot just because he can play outside, he can play in the slot, he can play in so many different positions. And with his experience, I'm going to give him just a little bit more, I would say, play early, especially with his experience early in the season for Jackson State. And this has been – a topic of conversation for all, at least across the channels I've been looking for is undefeated season or not, man. That was the poll question before the show I put in the chat. And I think right now undefeated season one. And so I gave them the, the option of undefeated, undefeated in the swag or just a, or they don't go undefeated in either. So for you looking at the season, looking at the schedule, give me a percentage. What percent chance does Jackson state have to finish the season undefeated? I would give them because, like, like I've really been thinking about that, like, too, like how, how, what, what's the, what's the chances that I'm really finishing this thing strong, like, just unbeaten. And then you go back to last year and how they performed, right? I would give them about 75, 75, 80, uh, 80 to go undefeated. And all, and the only reason why I say that is because. You know, there's so much factors that plays into a season that that you just don't know about injuries or thing. Yeah. Um. You know, if these guys are going to be able to gel, um, right away, and then you look at and the Campbell is just the one for me, right? Because you don't know them. You they're so unfamiliar to you, and like that game could we don't even know how that game could turn out. We don't know how that game is going to go. So just just for that reason alone, you know, that's why I said about I, I say 80, 80 overall, not even seventy five. I give them eighty. We got we got just an undefeated in the swag. We got eighty five percent, forty percent here. You know, I think it's I think it's tough because, like you said, that Campbell game. There, you know, 
that that recruiting has has only been happening for two years. So they're really as as long as Mentor's been there, and you know they were in the Pioneer for a while, so they didn't have scholarships. That recruiting's on. I mean, they're really on like the same timetable as what Jackson State is on right now. And mm-hmm. so the question becomes: is if if that team takes a it takes like a Jackson State type leap, man, what are they going to be like in mid in mid October? That's that's the that's, question. That's the thing. That's the thing, right? That's why, like, I'm just so my like the jury's still out on them. Like, I I uh, just for that reason, just because, like, I remember you talking about them on Twitter. I want to see what they're going to be like in the season now. Other reason, other reason than that, I would have no reason to watch Campbell play, but I need to see how they are early on in the season. You know, so that way when homecoming gets here, I can just give a better analysis. I don't know. Um, also, shout out to my boy uh, Cam. You know, I went to school with him. He was one of the fastest players in the state of South Carolina. He's now at Campbell. Might see him on the field. You know, yeah, can't can't just give, give a quick shout out to my dog. And you know, they have they have some big games before Jackson State too. So I think we'll know what they look like. They got North Carolina Central on that schedule too. They, I mean, they play North Carolina A and T. They play like four or five HBCUs this year on that schedule. It's like someone mentioned that they just had like a MEAC conference schedule at this point. <laughs> so, um, you know, another team that I wanted to mention too is Tennessee State. Because I don't think we know what, what that team's going to look like either. With a new quarterback, they add some weapons at the receiver spot. That offensive line brought in a lot of transfers, even some swag transfers. And then on the defense, you know, you got a D line that has three all conference players now with the transfer of Terrell Allen from Austin P. Man, I think the good thing about Tennessee that Tennessee State game is Jackson State's going to get some really good film when they go up there week one to Eastern Washington. If they go up there and smack Eastern Washington, who's a top 15 team, man, that game becomes, I told Ken, I was like, if they go up there and win that game, that Jackson State Tennessee game has an argument to be one of the games of the year in the country. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And not, not and that's another reason why I'm excited to see them as well. Um, first of all, if they go up there and smack Eastern Washington, Jackson State really better hunker down and do they do they uh due diligence on um Tennessee State because they remember that loss from last year, for sure. Yeah. They they remember that loss from last year, and they and they you know when you lose like that, and when you become a different team, you know, and we make the addition that Eddie Joyce has. Now nah, they're coming with a vengeance, so this isn't going to be a regular game. You can you could probably argue they're going to come with that same energy that y'all came with Alabama A and M. So now nah, if they if they go there and they beat Eastern Washington like that, Jackson State needs to be on their stuff when it comes to evaluating um, Tennessee State before that game happens. I'm going to need ESPN to flex that game. If 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 that that both of those teams win week one in impressive fashion, that game's got to be on ESPN 2 or something. That, that, there's no question. I know it's tough because it's week two, and I think that week is, what, Alabama, Texas, um, Ohio State, Notre Dame potentially. I mean, there's some big games, but I still think it's got to be flexed in a position. And with – how much do you think that short week could potentially impact Jackson State too? Because I, I don't think people realize it is a it is a short week for them because they play on Sunday, Sunday afternoon, and so you lose. You know what I mean? Like you lose that extra day of preparation and rest and things like that. So do you think that plays any role in that game? It'll, it'll play a small role, but I do think they have the depth to at least win, withstand something like that so early on in the season. Um, maybe you take a lighter, a lighter approach to practice that week. You know, you don't really thud as much. You know, I think they'll, you know, it, it could play a factor, but it's a factor that it's still way too early in the season for them to just be affected by it heavily with all that depth that you yeah. have to be able to overcome that. Luckily, it's week one. I think if we're talking a short weekend, like week eight or nine, 
man, you can't. That, that is brutal. That would have been I a mean, problem for sure. Yeah, and I mean, I know they did it last year, Mr. Moore. I got you. I was just – Tennessee State's also a lot better than they were last year, so I think, uh, you know, it's a little bit different. And, you know, Shador goes out wins the Jerry Rice Award last year, puts up over 3,000 yards passing, over 30 passing touchdowns. Looking at it from, like, an analyst point of view, what do you want to see from Shador this season? And what are some things that you want to see him clean up about his game going into year two? I want to see him get the ball out quicker. That was one of his main problems last year. And, and you know, it there, he did so much good things that it all, you know, people kind of kind of get at you for talking about the bad things, but that's what he was a freshman. It's gonna happen with every player, right? There's always gonna be something to work on. He held the ball way too long. Um, when you know, we saw how elusive he was in the pocket, more elusive than we thought he'd be, but there would be times where he would be holding on to that ball like a loaf of bread, and it cost them, you know, when they had momentum. So just protecting the football and getting the ball out early, which I uh, I heard Coach Bartoloni has been on him heavily about getting the ball out quick. Like, they, they, they actually have him on a timer. So that is the main thing for me uh, when it comes to when it comes to Shador. Um, and what I want to see from him is I just – I want to see Shador times too. Like, I need – like, you have to – when you come out the gate swinging like that, you can't be stagnant or that's going to be, like, just a problem with you in your game. Now that you have even better receivers, for what we hear, you have an even better O-line. I expect you – to come out guns a blazing. I expect you to be the best quarterback or at least one of the best quarterback in the FCS because you've already been recognized as that. So it's time for you to really show that. I need dominance from Shador. Like, I, I don't need to see rookie mistakes from him like we did last year. Is there a stat line that, like, it, like, uh, do you want to see four? I know 4K is tough, and I know that's been put in the chat a few times. I don't think people realize how – Good, you have to be thrown to four from five, four to five K in eleven games too. I mean, mm-hmm. I guess you know they technically do have the Celebration Bowl and the um, SWAC Championship if they make it there. But do you do you, do you think four K is like the goal for him for that next step, or do you think thirty five hundred and you know another thirty touchdown years is is good? I don't think Shador has a goal for himself. Like he's just not that kind of guy. Um, I think you know his his thing is just to go out there and win. But what I would want to see, I, I'll be happy with another thirty five hundred yard season. But with that being said, I felt like he could have easily gotten a lot closer to four thousand if it wasn't for those games later on in the season where he only had hundred and something yards passing because nobody could block for him. You know, so I I feel like with the talent that you have now, another thirty five hundred yard season, I need you to get over. Like, I, I just need you to one-up yourself, right? So, oh, you can get the 40 touchdowns. I think that's doable. Maybe bring that uh, that touchdown interception, interception ratio um, just to better than what it was last year. So, last year was, what, 35 touchdowns, eight interceptions. I think, you know, some of those were desperation throws. You know, you, you come down on that. You go up in touchdowns, another 3,500-yard season. Yeah, I think you'll be – that's 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 realistic. I would love to see him hit 4,000, but like you said, that's that's very hard. That is very hard to and as Calvin and as Calvin said, um, it's three eighty per game. Yeah, it's yeah. tough. And, and I, I guess if you include, I guess if you include the celebration bowl, it'd be closer to about three fifty per game. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess you know, and Zoe here said four thousand forty touchdowns. You know, it, the biggest thing is I think when you look at that PV game, especially that killed. In terms of you know that statistic, uh, that PV defense. I mean, they you got to give them a little bit of credit. And I, listen, that PV defense. My bad. Give give Jason Dumas a little bit of credit because mm. he might be um, the sole reason there. But you know, Braden took my next question, man. 
running the ball was an issue last season for Jackson State, especially in big in big moments against solid, you know, defense defensive lines and front sevens. And you could say it was the offensive line, and everything, but I, I just don't know if they had the guy running up. We know Tyson Alexander is coming back from an injury. They go out and get all Miak running back, Savion Wilkerson. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see from the run game? And which running back do you think is really going to emerge as the guy for Jackson State this season? I'm a very big fan of J.D. Martin. I'm a very big fan of J.D. Martin. With that being said, after this scrimmage, I've been told that Sibion has gotten the approval from San- from Coach Sanders. I mean, they said Sibion showed out. Sibion Wilkinson came in, and he showed why he was one of the top backs as a true freshman in the MIAC last year. Um, I think to compliment him, you know, J.D. doing what he does, you know, he's coming back. He's still electric. Um, you, you know, Santi, Santi was never a bad option. You know, he, he's smaller, but he was never a bad option. Caleb Jolivet, though, is who I really want to get on. However they choose to get him the ball, because I know he's primarily at running back now and not really at, uh, at in the slot position anymore. But, man, I've seen him. When he gets in that open field, nobody's going to catch him. So, not and, and then Tyson. So, the running game will be better next year. But for me, you know, Simeon, the way he's looking from what I've heard about him, I wouldn't have a problem putting Simeon in that backfield or Tyson because I'm still a very big fan of what he was able to do in the spring season. And he told me, like, you know, I'm fully healthy, man. Just wait. Just watch. Like, I'm, I'm telling you I'm coming. So, you know, I believe him when he says that. So, you know, those guys, as a, as a unit, you know, they're great. I think they're going to be light years better than last season. But, yeah, it'll, it'll have to be Simeon and Tyson for me. I mean, I still think they use a by committee, you know, approach to a point. They're probably going to go with the hot hand too. But when I look at the guy who has proven he could be an every down back, I think that you, like you mentioned, Tyson and Savion kind of emerged there. And I think the up, I know I love Tyson's game, but I think the upside is a little bit higher with Wilkerson. Just in my opinion, I think when I watch his game, he has the ability. I know it's an air race system. We'll see, you know, what the touches look like throughout the season. But if he gets enough touches, man, he has the ability to be one of the top backs in the SWAC. And I think coming into the season, he probably would have been an all MEAC selection if he would have stayed at Delaware State coming into the season. But like Nicholas said, do you think there will be a thousand yard back this year for Jackson State? We know last year they really, I, I don't, I don't believe it. Did anyone hit? Five six hundred last year. Somebody, somebody came close, but no, no, they didn't. Yeah, it was probably Pickett. I would imagine it was Pickett, Pickett got close. a lot of carries toward the end. But you do think someone will hit a hit a thousand this year? No, no, not not with that not with that room of receivers. It's not happening. Um, but I do think you know you you see it. You'll definitely see somebody get over five hundred. You'll see a you'll see, you'll see a, um a lot better stats from. The group, of, but like you say, it's going to be a group of committee, you know, like a group by committee of back. So, nah, nobody's going to hit a thousand. I don't expect that at all. Um, but if they're going to be light years ahead of where they were last year, that's all. That's all I want for them. I don't. I don't need somebody to hit a thousand yards on the um on the ground. If it happens, great. But no, nah, I don't think we're going to see that. Yeah, I think <laughs> if it wasn't for the by committee, I think they. Okay, let me say this: they have backs who have the talent to be a thousand yard rushers. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if they're going to get the opportunities, like you said, especially with we didn't even mention what happens if Quay starts taking some carries. Those are touches away, too. And I think right. when, when you look at the explosiveness of Quay, man, if you just get him an open space, that could be a whole different issue for a defense. If he, he gets loose, if he has a crease, it's probably to the house, let's be mm-hmm. honest. And like Zoe said, Pickett had 400-plus, so almost to 500, but it was just too inconsistent last year. And I think – also, you have to look at the the offensive line. I think early, 
I, I wanted this is my big question, man, and I, I want to get your thoughts on it. My question is, is will Jackson State try to establish the run early? Or because of the offensive line rebuild and some new backs coming in, they're going to run the offense a lot more through Shador, and we're going to see those run totals not be as high until later in the season as that offensive line starts to come along. You know, I, I honestly, and I could be wrong on this, but I don't think they're going to prioritize the run. I don't, like. I, I think they're going. The, if they if they need to go to the run, like on situations where they couldn't last year, do it where they needed to but couldn't last year, I think they'll be able to do it. But just out the gate, like okay, let me establish the run just to show we can do it. No, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think you run that offense through Shador. I mean, you know, he's he's proven that he's one of the top guys. Run it through him. But like you know, you if you trust him and you trust that you developed him and you know you you trust that everything is working and that you put the right system around him, build that offense through Shador and let him you know just free the reins a little bit and let him take control. I know he was uh, put on the Walter Payton Award list, and he's probably one of the top. I, I think I had him in my top five candidates for that um, going in there. And yeah, let me get to this. I know, I know, we've already probably talked about this. Simi has re- has what I've been told is retired from football. He had yeah. some family yeah. things come up, and you know, I don't want to speak too much on it, but he stepped away. And man, that's that's cool, man. Uh, really and truly, you got to prioritize your life, especially when you. I believe he has a young kid too, so. Um, listen, so, so you got a whole family, you got a wife, got a kid, like, and he decided to prioritize that over playing football. And, and I had no problem with it at all. You know, like I was excited to see him. I was very excited to see Simi. Um, but you know, it is what it is, man. You can't be upset, upset about that, man. You know, life goes on, life happens. You know, nobody was upset about him. So about him retiring. So it, it is what it is, man. We wish Simi nothing but the best, to be honest. Absolutely, man. Listen, you got to all pick pick your family always over sports, man. We talked, we just talked earlier about how NFL is not guaranteed, man. But right. you, you got to take care of your family. And you know, this question kind of leads me to my next one, and we'll address this and then get into my question. Do you think the defense takes a step back this season? So, I feel like a lot of people ask this question because you know the loss of James Houston, you know, and, and they feel like the defense is really going to take a step back for that reason. No, I don't think that. This defense takes a step back. Will it probably like okay? I think people think this because all all of the clips that Deion Jr. is putting out, and you just you just see the offense scoring at will almost. And like you just gotta remember, for as good as that defense is, this offense just looks better. Like they just have, you know, like they the, the receiver room is way bigger than the DB room for Jackson State. So yeah, those guys are a lot more fatigued, right? Like it's it's shoes and footage that you've seen being put out there. Nah, that defense ain't going to take a step back. They have a lot of guys. Some a little little bit of guys are banged up like Frankie Burgess and um and you know some people like that True Thompson I think. But no, nah, I don't think they'll take a step back. Maybe it'll take them a little bit to a little bit longer to find their way. Um maybe like a couple of series in that in that opening game, but nah, they'll be fine. They're not taking a step back. No, and I, I think people what people are going to confuse is that you might not see one guy go get 20 sacks like James Houston, but I mm-hmm. think what you'll see more is a by-committee approach, and I think different aspects of the defense are going to be more dominant than they were last year. I don't think – the de- I, I, for me, the defensive line isn't going to be the focal point. I think when you look at what Aubrey Miller is going to do at the linebacker spot, and especially I think the safety spot got – so much better when you bring in great and some of those transfers they brought in. And then, man, 
I just want to see it. And this is going to be a question later about Nugget and Travis and that dynamic and how they're going to work that, who goes on the number one receiver, who, who, who travels and kind of see how they handle that. But with the defense, you mentioned James Houston and Antoine Owens also is out the door. Coinus Miller announced his transfer. I don't even, I don't know if he even landed somewhere. I don't know if you, I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I, I don't think Coinus is landing anywhere either, to be honest. I, I just saw him in the comments for uh, the scrimmage for Jackson State's latest scrimmage today, so I don't know if he's anywhere yet. Yeah, I have no idea. But the defensive <clears throat> line, we know the main characters are gone, but you still have you know an all-swack selection of Devontae Davis at defensive tackle. Niles Gaddy, Antonio Doyle, True Thompson, Katron Evans is back. Who do you think is the guy for the defensive line that emerges this season for Jackson State? Julius Lewis. Ooh. Julius Lewis uh, for Fresno State. Man, for what I've heard, that man is a freak of nature, and he's been showing it every day. I think what they call him, Crazy Nose or something like that. Like, that's the nickname he's developing in practice. But not Julius Lewis is going to be that guy. And whenever Frankie Burgess returns, because to me, he's still that best pass rusher. I'm still sticking by that. Whenever he returns during the season, he's going to show out. You know, once he uh, once he fully re- recovers from that injury, so him, Julius Lewis, is, but is definitely my top pick. I'm excited to see how Katron Evans develops this year. You know, he I think he played better than what his stats showed. Stats just wasn't that great, but I think he played better than what it showed. And then Tor- Antonio Doyle on the other side, I think he's going to be great as well. But for me, not it's Julius Lewis all the way. I've heard That's too many a- good things about him. That's an interesting pick. I think you were the first person that I've heard mention him like this offseason so far. So now I know, you know, everyone did the episode when he committed, but I haven't heard much out of camp. So I, I like that pick because for me, you know, I think Devontae Davis, I think is going to be, in my opinion, is going to be a bigger star than people are giving him credit for. I know he's an all swag selection, but I just felt like because of the names and also it's hard, let's be honest, unless you're Aaron Donald, defensive tackles don't get the love. Right. that they deserve because the, the job is a lot different than going to get the passer. But when I look at his game, man, and combined with Katron Evans and some depth they now have at the defensive tackle spot, I think Devontae Davis could be a monster. I think he can put up a similar season that Antoine Owens had last year where you saw Antoine kind of fit multiple roles. But And I've, I've talked to some people about the defensive ends. I, I keep saying this. I don't see anyone going to be a – a, a James Houston type season, but I think what Jackson State is going to have is they're going to have three, four guys that potentially could have seven to twelve sacks right. somewhere in there. Like you know, if someone gets twelve, you can lower some of the other ones. But I think it's going to be a by committee approach. And one guy I want to see his development is Niles Gaddy. He has received a lot of criticism, and mm-hmm. a lot of people don't really know what to make of him. But I don't know if you've seen the pictures of him, dude. He looks Swole, gigantic. Yes. I, he looks. He looks terrifying if i think i talked to you know someone who's close with them they say he's like 240 250 bro like a monster Mm. and i think if he can take a large step forward man him doyle julius uh man the defensive end spot is going to be interesting but i want to see how niles gaddy develops but to the linebacker spot man we know who the guy is with aubrey miller he is the guy and you know i want to get your quick thoughts what is he as an NFL prospect? I had the guys from Draft HBCU on, and everyone's kind of said they his past his past coverage and playing in space has to take a step forward for him to be a third, fourth round prospect. For you, where do you put Aubrey as an NFL prospect right now going into the season? Because you know he's his his ability to you know 
perform in pass coverage has been a little bit of a problem. Um, I do, I, I would put him in the later rounds, like maybe like fourth or fifth. You know, that's when I'd be willing as a GM. That's when I'd be willing to take a shot at him. But like I said, like I said, like you said, if he if he shows me that he's improved in that area, I go, I can go a little bit higher with him because like here's the thing, man. He's a guy. Who's, who can really give you like a hundred or something tackles a season? Like he's that good. He has a nose for the football in the run game, but in today's game of football, you have to be more than one dimensional. You have to be. So if he if he can't you know help me in coverage when it comes to these quicker receivers and you know and the people who are going to be in his space, then you can't really be on the you can't you you you're limiting yourself on how how long you can be on the field for me. Because now like you know on a on certain situations, I got to take you out because I know you can't cover. So you know, if he if he improves in that, he 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 definitely has himself set as like a mid round guy. But until he does that, probably probably fourth or fifth. Yeah, that that's my thing is I think one of the examples that someone commented is you know what happens like let's just say he gets to the next level and in the slot he's you know he has to cover like a Cooper Cup or somebody. What happens? In, I don't you know. I don't even think about it. Yeah, and you know, I think his upside though is in the run game, man. If you, if he, I don't even want him to be a great defender in mm. space. As long as you can be average or just slightly above average, right. his upside in terms of tackling, pursuit, and his instincts, man. Because I, one thing I say about linebackers is you cannot teach instincts, right. and his ability to track the ball through chaos. And I like to call it chaos because if you've never played in the box. And it's hard to you can get very disoriented once once you get inside and his ability to hit holes and find the running back with the football is big. And I think this year, I think a big thing for all for Aubrey is we know that Aubrey can come with the with the hit stick. But can he can he create some of those turnovers? That could be huge. If you can get an opportunistic fumble here or there from Aubrey, I think that's even going to be huge. And I really want to see Aubrey. His biggest thing is what was big for James Houston, too, going to those all-star games and showing out. Because that's mm-hmm. where I, you know, I was down at the Legacy Bowl, and, and the drill that the linebackers ran every day, man, I think is something that Aubrey's going to have to show out in. They had a linebacker about five yards off the ball and a running back coming out of the backfield, and you had to cover him. It was just one-on-one, and it's just y'all two in open space. And that's where I think if Aubrey goes out there and shows out he can cover some of the top running backs, mm. I don't see why he can't be an early fourth-round pick, really and truly. I mean, he has that type of upside for me, but I'm interested to see Aubrey. But who do you think emerges next to him? We know Keontae's gone <clears throat> now. Who's linebacker number two for Jackson State? Um, I've been hearing Baron Hobson is is definitely making his push for that role. For me, it'll be Jerryontae Davis. I can't go wrong with Baron Hobson. Let me say that I respect, I respect Baron Hobson. If he gets that spot, I'm just as confident. But yeah, Jerryontae Davis for me, just because he's shown that he can do it at that next level. Um, he has the numbers to back it up. He has the film to back it up. So it'll be it'll be Jerryontae Davis. We forget about Michael. Uh, please, plus I haven't yeah. pronounced his last name. You know, coming <laughs> from Southern. No, no disrespect to him. Coming from Southern Miss. You know, you you forget about him as well. Um, so I think. For me, Giriante, just because he's another he's another guy who those instincts and that motor and he, the tenacity that he plays with is just something that I love out of a linebacker. And I think him and Aubrey together would just be like a ferocious pair. But I would not be surprised if it's Baron Hobson. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's Baron Hobson because he's been there a little bit and he's been really working his way up that depth chart. 
You know, I, I kind of agree with that. I think I, if I had to pick it, I would say Durante right now just because of the experience that he's coming in with. But, man, I, like I, like you, I, I think we kind of have similar sources when it comes to JSUs. I've been hearing the same thing about Hobson, about how he's looking in practice. So I'm interested to see how he fits in. And someone mentioned Jeremiah Brown and how he potentially could fit into that competition. I don't know if you have any thoughts on him. I, I haven't really heard much on Jeremiah Brown. There's not really much I can give on him. Um, yeah. the, the names that have been coming up, for, the name that has come up for me is Barron. You know, I'm not saying that that's a bad thing for Jeremiah Brown, but, you know, when I, every time when I ask these sources, like, you know, who's the guy that's sticking out? It's always Barron. It's always Barron. And then, you know, then you'll hear Jerry Ontay and everybody else. Um, so, you know, every first one, nobody, no, no one's doing bad. No one's, you know, on that on that linebacker in that linebacker group. Nobody's performing bad, but those are the names that I hear. I haven't really heard much of Jeremiah Brown. Yeah, I haven't either. So I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, listen, we've saw people emerge midseason too. You look at Malachi Wadman really didn't make his impact a major impact till Alabama A and M, mm-hmm. and you saw some other <clears throat> players emerge late. So I wouldn't be worried about him for right now. I mean, they're deep. And looking at the corner spot, we've already talked safeties. We're going to talk corners for a minute. This is the a million dollar question, man. If you are the D coordinator, do you let Nugget travel with the number one, or do you just say, "Listen, we got Travis, we got Nugget, wherever you line up your wide receivers, it doesn't matter because they're going to lock you up." I let Nugget travel, and I wanted him to travel last year. I wanted him to travel in the Celebration Bowl. I wanted him on Shaq. I I did. I really did. Um, and that's not, you know that's nothing against Al Young, but now I wanted him on Shaq, man. Not nah, they have to let Nugget travel this year. This is a big year for him. I mean, you're talking about a guy who has all of the physical tools to be to be. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Moore said he's traveling, so that might answer. I mean, because I think week one, you know, you have because I think you have some good matchups early where you're going to have you're not facing teams that are one dimensional and wide receivers because week one you got Xavier and Sharid. And they got some young guys like Kareem Burke, who's going to be really good with FAMU. Oh, I love Kareem Burke, man. A dog. And he runs like a 4-2. That that Mm. kid can fly. Week two, you get Zaire Thornton, an an all-conference receiver. Combined with, I don't think people remember, four-star Holloman out of Georgia's coming in at 6'6", like 240. Or like 230, something like that. I mean, the dude is like a tight end player. He's like Kamari Everett. Mm. Week three, you got the new Grambling wide receiving core. And listen, I've heard Faison is the truth in terms of for grambling. So I'm going to be interested in because in my opinion, you got to put nugget on Xavier and then you just got to say, Travis, they're probably going to test you with Sharid and you're going to have to step up and make some plays, man. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not nugget needs to travel. He's the guy who I would have the most confidence. in. I mean, you know, he's done it at the college level. He's the most experienced, has the most upside in, in terms of right now projecting to the NFL. Yeah, no, you, you got to. You, you got you to gotta let Nugget travel. He's ready for it. I believe he's, y'all have, y'all, I don't want to say held him back, but y'all have like kind of held him in that spot long enough. Let him, let him see, let, let us see him at it at like with just full reign. I just want to see him at full reign. No, just all freedom. Let him go. And there's another guy in the room that uh, he gets his credit elsewhere, but I don't think I think he's overlooked at the corner spot because of how deep Jackson State is and how good he is at the return specialist aspect. And that's Zay, Zay Bolden, in my opinion, the best the best kick returner in in the FCS by mm-hmm. far. What what do you want to see from him and his development, and where do you think he fits into the defensive back room for Jackson State? Um, so I've been hearing about him in that slot position, but I've also been hearing about K-5 as well as Tavion making a push, even Jalen Hughes making a push for that as well. But no, um, I mean, 
when it comes to him as just as a DB, not even talking about special teams, we he has he has film, he has tape from Florida State where he showed flashes of just great, uh, just uh, being a great uh, cover corner. Like we we've seen that from him. It's just can he be consistent with it? Also, the thing that's worked against him, and you know I can't really knock him for this, but he hasn't really been the healthiest throughout his career. So I think now that he's fully healthy, um, I would love to see, I would love for, it, for them to give him that opportunity to show what he can really do in that slot. I mean, you look at the skill set, what he's over, way over six feet, uh, runs what a four, three, something in that range. Great, great wingspan. Yeah. I would love to see him. Uh, I would love to see more consistency from him in that spot, in that slot role. I, I agree. I, I think, he's going to be helped by the fact that I think he's going to get a lot of balls thrown his way mm-hmm. because I don't I, early in the season. I'm interested. I'll, I'll get your opinion next on this. I'm, I, I think they're going to test Travis. I know it sounds crazy. I think they're going to say, okay, we're going to test Travis and we're going to find out what, what he, what he can do. Cause we're not going to test nugget unless we <clears throat> have to. And you, then, you, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, like, I'm just going to say, you're not crazy for that. Like, cause I've said this, if I'm an offensive coordinator, I don't care, at least not off the bat. I don't care that you're the number one prospect in the country. I will damn well rather test you than Nugget, who I know is experienced at this level. Now, whether that will work out for you or not, we'll have to wait and see. But at, at, at the very beginning, I'm going to test Travis. I'm going to test Travis. So, now, nah, like, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. It's going to happen. They're going to test Travis before they test Nugget. And, you know, this is a question that, you know, or or a debate that has been raging on the channel because I know he's he was left off the senior bowl watch list. He was left off every award watch list. And there's been a lot of questions about Nuggets NFL draft prospect potential. And it's and it's not due to his necessarily on the field play. It's a lot of things of he just hasn't got one tested and two. He has, you know, he missed some key games. I think, you know, missing that game after Southern and things like that and, and not being able to play early in games really hurt him. What what did you have to see from Nugget to solidify him going into the 2023 NFL draft? I just need to see him. It, unfortunately, like what what worked against Nugget, and it's no fault of his own last year, is that the quarterback play just really wasn't that good. It was not that good. Like people didn't want to test the quarterbacks who were capable. Literally, just did not want to test them. And you know, there's nothing he could really do in that. So he had to find other ways to involve himself in the, uh, with the production of the defense. Which is why you know you always see him clip himself like uh, with big hits and everything like that. He found ways to include himself that just didn't include coverage. Um, but now that, you know, the quarterback play has improved and we're expecting him to get tested a lot more, he's going to have to he's going to have to be really have an island. He's going to have to really have an island. And, you know, now that we know he's traveling, thanks to his dad, shout out to his dad, um, now when, when, when he gets tested with these bigger receivers, he's going to have to show out and show out consistently, not getting beat, you know, like how he did most of the time. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't really get beat most of the time. But, like, plays like the celebration bowl where he got hit in the corner of the end zone by Richard Bailey, stuff like that can't really happen a lot. You know, we have to see nothing but just straight island, like just island play, like Darrell Revis-type play with consistency um, going, going into your last year because, man, you've got all, the, you've got all the, the coaching from Coach Prime. You know, they have nothing but 
they have nothing but confidence in you. You've even saw NFL prospects when they've come to Jackson State camp. They, they're asking about number four. So now nah, this is a big year for him, man. So like now that he's now that we know that he's going to get tested more than last year at the very least, now nah, he's gonna have to be very consistent and just very shut down, very dominant on his side of the ball. Before we get into some predictions and everything, one of the things that uh, G, when I had the draft NFL NFL guys on, he suggested nugget moot playing safety at the next level which was what he played most of his career this is like his dad said this is only year three at corner do you see him potentially making that move to safety at the next level to increase his stock i don't know if that uh he's because like he he's been so he's been so dedicated to just perfecting his craft at corner uh, since he stepped in college, I don't know if going back to safety and just undoing all of that work is going to help him in that short amount of time. I just feel like because ultimately they're they're not going to have any tape on him. All the NFL scouts aren't going to have tape on him at safety. It doesn't matter how well he performs in you know in the drills and you know at these at these events. If I don't have film on you, I can't really feel confidence. I'm even less confident in taking you. Keep him at corner. Keep him at corner. <laughs> I love Mr. Moore, man. I love it. He said the best safety in the swag <laughs> already. You don't even play safety. I love it. And for you, man, which games on the schedule, you can give me two to three, are the t- are going to be the toughest test for Jackson State this season? Tennessee State is one. You know, I'm, I'm just very intrigued by Tennessee State. Southern, just because of that defensive line. Um I need to see how those guys handle it. I really do. And then I will say Campbell just because I don't know anything about them, so I can't write them off as an easy win on homecoming. So those are my three. I, I got the same three. I think, you know, I, I, I've i said since the past few live streams, I think Tennessee State is the toughest test just because I think they're a team that's built the best to win that game, especially because they get Jackson state early before that team really gets to jail. Right. They have an experienced quarterback, which I think that's, that's what puts them over Southern for me is that there's not questions at quarterback. I think Bashan McCray is probably the guy for Southern, but we haven't seen him do it. I mean, you're looking at Draylon Ellis, who's a, who's a conference player of the year at quarterback with multiple years of experience. They got a great running back who's an all-conference player. They have depth at wide receiver. And the biggest thing for me, if you're going to beat Jackson State, it's going to come down to quarterback play and defensive line. Mm -hmm. And I think Tennessee State is the most complete team on the schedule. And then with Campbell, you look at the same thing. You've got a fifth-year quarterback in Haj Malik. Brevin Allen is a two-time player of the year now in the Big South at defensive end, who's a stud. And they landed – I believe like two three star defensive tackles this past season mm-hmm. two to come in to add some depth. So, and they got an all conference linebacker who finished in the um in the player of the year voting two for the Big South and uh, CJ Tillman. So I think that's going to be a huge test. And I know everyone looks at the record and I tell people all the time. I don't know how many times I got to repeat it till it sticks with people. Hajma Lee got hurt like game three. And I don't care what people say. I don't care how much depth, quote unquote, depth you have at quarterback. If you lose your starting quarterback, the season doesn't. It's it's over. Yeah, it's over. Like, I, it, like if Shador goes down for Jackson State, I don't care how deep the team is. They're not when I, I, I it's it's not going to be the same. And so I, I, I really worry. And this is something that me and Ken Clark debate. I want to get your thoughts on it. He has an opinion that a team with a scrambling quarterback can't give Jackson State much issue. So if you had to build a team just in terms of skill sets at certain positions, 
what team what would a team have to have to have the best shot at pulling off the upset against Jackson State this season? If I had to be he he said he said a mobile quarterback wouldn't he said that plays into Jackson State's hands. They're too athletic up front and the scrambling quarterback just won't do it. I would much rather have a scrambler scrambler than a statue in that pocket. I'm sorry. I I'm definitely I would definitely go with a guy like Andrew Body. Um, you know, and I'd put the pieces <laughs> that offensive line. I'd make sure he had a had a, a steady offensive line around him. And um probably some some big bodies at the receiver position that, you know, kind of go toe to toe with Jackson State. And you know, a decent defense would do as well. But no, I'm I'm definitely going with the with a mobile quarterback over a statue to beat Jackson State. I mean, you saw what Andrew Body was able to do in that offense uh, last year. You know, they they weren't far out. You know, they they weren't far out from potentially pulling off that upset. Um, at least not in the beginning, anyway. So yeah, for me, mobile quarterback all the way. I, I agree. I, that's <laughs> what me and him disagreed on that because I think when you look at their toughest games, Bashan McCray's mobile, mm-hmm. Draylon Ellis is mobile, and Haj Malik is mobile. And I think all three of them could give problems, especially if – and this is what I keep saying, and this is one that I want to see from Niles Gaddy this year that I didn't see last year, is you have to be efficient with your rush. If you get too excited and get upfield and that offensive tackle can just strong arm you and take you around the quarterback, mm. it, dude, let Andrew Body have that happen. He's going for 30 yards easily because that hole is just going to open up. And if and if the linebackers aren't disciplined in, in terms of being a quarterback spy or something, you're playing man, mm-hmm. man, no, there's nothing you can do for that. And so I agree with you. I think mobile quarterback, and I think you have to be able to get to the quarterback. I think when you look at the games that Jackson State struggled, Southern was able to get to Shador, and South Carolina State was able to get to Shador. If you, and I've said this repeatedly, if you let Shador sit in the pocket and pick you apart, Jackson State's beating you by 21 plus. Mm-hmm. You have to get into, you got to get Shador off his game. If he is on, man, it's going to be really hard to beat, especially with the weapons, man. He has too many weapons. And I don't care how good your corners are. And you know this because you've played football. If you get, if a corner can't play man on man coverage or play zone forever, there's eventually Literally. going to be a breakdown. Literally, like, right. there's someone's going to be open. Or, worst case, we saw with Southern, Shador's going to throw it up to, to Malachi and he's going to maul somebody because he's 6'6 right. six, six and could jump out the building. Mm. There's just nothing you could do. So, you got to get, you got to get pressure. But, million dollar question, man. I know everybody wants to know this expectations for Jackson State in 2022. I think there's like the obvious one would be to just finish uh, where they left off last season and get a celebration bowl win. But I think it's more than that, right? I think they want an undefeated season and I want that for them as well. I think that's an expectation. But the biggest expectation for me, and not only for me, I know it's for them too, not only to win games and go undefeated, but to win games handedly. I think that's one of the biggest expectations that Jackson State has for themselves. No more just squeaking by opponents. No, I think they want to show you know, why they went out and got all this talent. They want to beat you by, like, 21-plus, you know, especially the games that they're supposed to win. They don't want to go into, you know, against Valley and have that game like they did last year with that that showing. They don't want to – like, they really want to – they want to go undefeated. They want to win the Celebration Bowl, and they want to win handily. For Those are those are their expectations. I, can, I know that, and that's my expectations for them as well. 
So I know you'll have probably a full preview yourself on your channel, man. And so I'll, I'll give a disclaimer before you give your answer. Kobe cannot be held accountable under Blue Bloods. All rights reserved, copyright. You cannot hold my guy to his record prediction. You had to put it down August 20th, 6 p.m. Central Time, 7 p.m. Eastern. What is your prediction for Jackson State this season? Like just like overall record? Overall record. Undefeated, undefeated, undefeated regular season, undefeated regular season. I think I think they win the SWAC championship too. Uh, And then I'm gonna I'm gonna leave it right there. I'm gonna wait for that game to get here before we talk about how that goes. (laughs) He he said there's a conflict of interest there. I'm not gonna listen, guys. We don't know already. My guy, my guy, CFL will be back on the show Monday uh, with uh, with my guy Tuck to preview South Carolina State. So I'll agree with you. Let's let's see what the Celebration Bowl matchup is because I think. There's a conversation on who could be there. I think there's two teams that could be there. We got a nine and three prediction here for Jackson State. I like to see the three teams that. Um, yeah. So I don't know if you know this. See, I got a bet with somebody from Scotty's chat. They bet me a hundred dollars that Jackson State will lose five or more games this year. What? <laughs> what? Yeah. What Emailed world? me in every. Emailed me in everything. Five losses was their prediction. Hey, I, unless he knows something we don't, man, put me <laughs> down for that bet, too. That's a $300 right now. Shoot. He, he said, man, I'll bet five. I don't know what it is. We got 10 and 2, 13 and 0. And one of the things that came out today, I meant to, I meant to ask it earlier on the show. The Senior Bowl, Jim Nagy was on campus today or, or this week looking at Jackson State players and you know, I, I don't – I can't remember. I mean, someone could correct me in the chat. I don't remember the last Jackson State player to go to the Senior Bowl. I'm, I'm from Mobile, and it just isn't coming to me of who, who the last one was. But what does that mean for Jim Nagy to get eyes on these Jackson State players early and potentially form those relationships to get the invites at the end of the season? To Let's just be honest. It is the biggest postseason all-star game in the country right now. How much does that mean for Jackson State? It means a lot. It means a lot because now you just you continue that pipeline to the NFL that you're trying to establish in order to continue getting big time recruits to come your way. Somebody's going. Somebody's going. Because I know looking at that, looking at all that talent on that field, Nagy had to leave um, impressed with somebody. I think if you know if he didn't, if it, if that didn't happen the first time around, it'll definitely happen the second time around. He had to leave Jackson, Mississippi with somebody in that notepad from that Jackson State roster. So we'll, you know, I think this is the year that we'll see somebody from uh, Jackson, Mississippi, rep- represent the Tigers in that game. And you know, this just speaks wonders to the pipeline that Coach Palm is just continuing to build. You know, this is the main thing. You know, he wants to prove that. I could get you to the NFL. You don't have to go to Alabama and wait all these years to step on the field. So, nah, this is this is that that's a big thing for Jackson State. And I think um, it's good. So, listen, Jim Nagy, great guy. You know, I've cut. You know, being in Mobile, we covered the Senior Bowl since the start of our podcast. I think this is our fifth season now with this podcast. You know, only our second on YouTube. We used to just be audio only with my co-host uh, Brandon, mm-hmm. but Nagy's a great dude, and I think. He took a lot of heat last year. I don't know if you remember this, uh, C, when, when he did invite Marquise Bell. I don't know if you remember that. I, somebody I remember that, yeah. somebody called him out, and it. And Jim Nagy doesn't respond to a lot of people on Twitter. I mean, I, if you're a national 
guy, it's really hard to respond to every criticism for every pick. For, I, I'm sure, listen, I want to say this. I'm sure it's so hard to balance invites for a game when you have to consider FBS, FCS, D2, D3, NIA, NAIA, whatever it's called. Like you got to consider so many schools throughout the country. So I don't, I never blame the senior bowl for missing somebody, but with the hype that Marquis Bell was getting, he felt compelled to, you know, respond. And so what I'm wondering is, is, is he going to be, is him and his staff going to be more, receptive or or notice hbcu players more because we saw fcs prospects this is the senior bowl for fcs prospects means the world you go back to joe flacco man from delaware went down to mobile i remember i was a kid he was on the ticket the next season because he performed so well he went down there and that's what got him on the ravens you look at jatari carter this year went down there and he was a tackle at Southern, played guard all week, got drafted by the Bears, and now he's on the second team. Christian Watson from North Dakota State almost was a first-round pick. And the biggest one that this year that people will know, I don't know if you guys remember Cole Strange, who came into the draft not expecting a first-round grade, gets drafted first-round by the Patriots because of what he did at the Senior Bowl. So this is... This is huge, and Trevor Penning, a first-round pick, was at the Senior Bowl. So when I look at Jackson State, it it would mean the world for Aubrey Miller, Gregory Great. Um, I don't, I, I don't, you know, with the COVID eligibility nugget, potentially to go down to Mobile and be able to play against the best of the best men, and I, I think it means, I think it means the world. But the one, the one thing I'll, I'll get your opinion on too is I talked to the draft HBCU guys, and I'm hoping more players take the James Houston approach, which is they go to the senior bowl or go to the East West Shrine game or or wherever, but they also do a second game and they make that second game, the HBCU legacy bowl, because that game is great for, you know, HBCU prospects who aren't on the level to get those big invites. But if the top HBCU prospects aren't going, then is it going to have the same effect? If you know what I'm like, what would what would have the legacy bowl been if James Houston goes last year or Jacoby Durant goes last year or someone like that? So for me, I want to see players say legacy bowls locked in. Whoever else invites me has to work around that. You know what? I I, I thoroughly agree with you on that because just seeing what guys uh, last in last year's class and what they're doing now, like just like you mentioned, if seeing what how 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 balling. How balling of a play that Kobe uh, uh, is is being with the Rams, like how great of, of a job he's doing with the Rams. If he was able to be at that game and play in that game with James Houston and the rest of those guys, that game has a lot more a lot more clout and a lot more hype going into this next season, right? Like the way they're balling. If they were if they played in that game, it would have a lot more hype. So now I think that because this was created for us. We need to put a little bit more stock into it. Like I don't think they, re- I don't think we realize like this thing is only effective if we, you know, if we give life to it, if we breathe life to it, and if we support it. So yeah, I do believe that these top players should definitely prioritize going to that game because the same scouts are there that'll be at these other games. You know, like you're gonna get, you're gonna get that opportunity. So yeah, nah, they they definitely need to prioritize that HBCU legacy game. Waldo, I'm glad you said this because he was one of the guys that I was talking to some scouts on the sideline, and Shamar Bridges probably got his NFL opportunity because of that game because all week he was embarrassing people. Mm. I mean, in practices, scrimmages, Shamar Bridges looked like an NFL wide receiver out there. And last year, man, my thing was 
and this is where I got the idea from, because, you know, me and Cut Day went down there and covered it. The practices, man, because I've covered the Senior Bowl last year and I covered the Legacy Bowl. The Senior Bowl, the entire lower bowl, every single day was full of scouts, full of media, the sidelines. You couldn't even walk because Nick Saban was down there. Brian Harson from Auburn, Jim Harbaugh, like, I mean, every big ESPN announcer, content creator, everything like that was there. Legacy Bowl, the first day I, I came in, I missed the first practice because I got down there late for New Orleans. I walk in, it's cut day. It's like a handful of scouts watching the end of the practice, and it's the NFL Network. That was it. Oh, my God. And I, I get it. I get it was the first year, but man, really and truly, like you got to go like every all the media like that is covering HBC for even FCS media needs to be at that event to cover it, because if people aren't covering it, then it's not going to have the effect that I think it was created to have. And so that's a big thing for me is that this year I want to see Isaiah Williams. I want to see Kamari Everett. I want to see, you know, you know, whatever quarterback I guess would be the top prospect. I mean, Davis Richard maybe, or, or something like that. You know, Shaq Davis, if he decides to go to the draft, um, Jablonski green, I want to see all these guys go to this game because to, to put on for the scouts, you got to be going against the best. And I felt like last year, like Deshaun Dixon from Norfolk went, who was like the MIAC Defensive Player of the Year, everything. The right. first day of scrimmages, Kobe, they had to take him off the field because he was disrupting the offense so much they couldn't get good reps in. <laughs> I mean, they sent him to the sideline because the offense couldn't get a playoff because he was destroying the offensive tackle. Every play. I mean, like clockwork. Like one of the scouts even was the one that suggested he was staying on the sidelines. He was, they were like, if you don't take 18 out, like they're never going to get a playoff. Yo, and this just proves why we need the top guys at that game, right? Because you, you can't have that. You, no, I mean, you know, it, know it how bad that it, it you know how bad that looks. <laughs> that just it, it just it just isn't working, man. And you know, um, looking at some of these questions before man, I'll let you get out of here. How much time you got, man? I don't want to keep you too long. Oh no, I got it. I got it. Okay, a little bit more time. Bad man. So Calvin wants to know who's going to lead Jackson State in sacks this season. If Frankie was healthy from week one, I would have said Frankie off top. But I am going to go. I'm going to go out on the limb, and I'm going to say Antonio Doyle. I'm going to say Ooh. Antonio Doyle. That's why I'm putting my stock in the lead of team in sacks. Uh, it's Doyle or Gaddy for me. One of those DNs is going to have to get it. And I think, you know, Gaddy's been a year in the system, so I'm going to lean Gaddy. But, man, Doyle's a problem, and I've heard that. And, and, and listen, uh, Eric, Will Anderson is different. We're not including Will Anderson in any conversation about any NFL prospect. Will Anderson's different. So don't even compare anyone to Will Anderson right now. But a thousand yard wide receiver, will they have one? And if so, who is it? Nah, nah. I think just like just like you're not gonna have a thousand yard rusher, you damn sure ain't gonna have a thousand yard receiver. It's just too much options. And a lot of guys gotta get playing time. Like this is a team whose third string unit of receivers could be somebody's first team. So nah, like no nobody's gonna have a thousand yard season. Shador is really the type of quarterback who likes to spread the love. I think last year, you know, his 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 option was really just to find Keith on the majority major, the majority of the time. But he's really a quarterback who likes to spread the love around. We're not gonna have a thousand yard receiver. I don't think so. Okay, hear me out. I think there's one, Ooh. and I think it's Dallas Daniels. 
And it's just because of the same reason Keith Corbin was last year, mm. where I think he's going to get a lot of those mid-range targets, and 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 he's going to be the guy that doesn't come off the field like a Malachi Wildman, where you're probably only going to use him in certain situations, or a Rucker, or I think he has that one spot established, and then everyone else is going to kind of rotate. So I think you're going to see him hit like a thousand to eleven hundred. Like he's not going to go way over a thousand. I think he's going to be like Keith Corbin, where he hits it in like the last game, just just because he's going to be the guy that's consistent in in the in the wide receiving room. That's that's your prediction for Dallas. Yeah, I think he gets a thousand. I really do. I think he and I, I even if he doesn't, I I in my opinion, Dallas is going to lead the team in receiving this year. Mm. No, I, I can go with you there as far as being the leading receiver. A thousand yards, I have to wait and see on that. But yeah, no, definitely leading the team is that uh, in receiving yards. And I, I, and they got to make it to the celebration bowl. I, I'm just betting on like them getting <laughs> that extra game because if 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 you don't get to the SWAC championship, man, it's tough to get a thousand yards receiving mm. if you're only playing eleven games. I mean, really and truly, unless you only have like an option or two, but. Ricardo wants to know how many true NFL prospects are on the team compared to other SWAC teams, in your opinion? Uh, I mean, okay, so Nugget, Joker, Aubrey. Um, are we talking about for this, for just this upcoming year? Or just like, yeah, just, I think just this year. Nugget, Joker, Aubrey. Dallas is going to have an opportunity. Uh, I can think of I can just think of those four off the top of my head, but I do feel like it's more. I can think of four it, off the top of my head. It's so hard though, because with eligibility being still weird with COVID, it's like there's people who might be eligible, but also might have like a graduate year to come back. So it's, right. it's tough, especially with some of the transfers. Like I think Bro technically is draft eligible, mm. but like. Is he going to leave? Uh, I don't because I think he still has another year potentially due to the, the weird transfer rule. So I think I think anywhere from four to five this year. But if you're talking like long term, man, it's so tough because it's hard yes. to project for like Kevin and Travis because I mean they haven't even taken a snap yet, and you never know what's going to happen. I think Shador's one too, but I, I think I think it's safe like three to five this year have the potential. If you're asking like how many are probably going to get actually drafted. I think I think a safe bet for Jack State is like two to three, possibly, if everything works out in their favor. Uh, I think everything has to work out, barring injuries, anything like that. No, Walter wants to know who are who's your starting five for the offensive line. My starting five: Debo Hayes, uh, Tyler Brown, Zach Bro, Evan Henry, and Willis Patrick. Those are my. That's my five. That's the five I've heard has been taking all the snaps. I think, you know, you look at some of the – I think um, – I, I, I always forget the kid's name who's competing with Tyler Brown for the um, backup for, for the guard spot. I don't know why I always forget his name. Um, uh, what, Christian Henderson? No. Um, he was there last year, too. Um, uh, mm. Someone put it in the comments. Guys, let me know who the other guard is because y'all corrected me last time. I said the transfer last time. And I, I I blanked on his name, but um I, I think Zach Bro got it locked up. I've heard Evan Henry has it locked up. The tackles Jordan. Jordan's the guy who um has been comedian. Is it Dimitri or Dimitri Jordan or something like that? Oh yeah, okay from SMU. Dimitri. Yeah, okay. Tony Tony Gray's not playing. No. Oh hell no! Oh he's I, not playing. No this. No, <laughs> nah, nah, Tony Tony's not Tony's not seeing the field. 
No, I'm sorry. Listen, uh, it just it just hasn't happened. Calvin wants to know. I'm, I know it. I know this one's probably for you, man. You, you got the inside track. Um, <laughs> any recruiting news? Recent recruiting news that that you know you can you you can say. No, don't don't break anything on the show, man. I'm already in trouble for my North Dakota State interview, so I don't need any more any more <laughs> backlash, man. So anything you can say. Um, the only thing. All right, this name has been coming around a lot. Uh, what's 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 his name? Demon. Damon Demas uh, from Texas. Oh yeah, Demon. Yeah, yeah. The the former five star wide receiver. Um, yes, him and Jackson State have been in talks for a very long time. Here's the thing, though. Until he gets his legal situation straightened out, college football is not an option for him. You know, and like if you if you follow him on Instagram, you know he's been trying to clear his name like crazy. I think you know he even released a lot of stuff that he probably wasn't supposed to on the story yesterday. Um, but you know that's a guy who they are keeping in contact with because. Whenever, whenever that stuff gets cleared up, Jackson State is going to make a push for another five-star receiver, um, Mr. Demon. So y'all can, y'all can, you know, try to kind of, kind of keep forward uh, with that, um, and maybe you know check on how his legal situation is going out because you know whenever that's done, the Jackson State is going to make that push, and you know Demas has expressed interest in Jackson State as well. Outside of that, no, nah, it's just it's nothing really big to report on right now. Yeah, the transfer portal is kind of. It's winding down, guys. There's a lot because unless it's a graduate transfer, so like I don't know how many people um, had uh, paid attention, but uh, the former five-star Alabama DN um, Yabi Anoma, I think is how you say it, announced mm-hmm. his transfer from UT Martin like last week and wound up in Michigan. But he's a graduate, and so he's immediately eligible. But a lot of the guys still left in the portal are guys who aren't going to have eligibility this year, so th- that kind of slows it down because teams aren't looking for debt for next year right now. So if, if someone's not a graduate transfer that emerges last second or, or, or some has external situation like, you know, Demas does right now, uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't project um, anyone to really any movement anywhere. I think most staffs or at least staffs that I've talked to have moved on to the class of 2023 for the most part and are really trying to gear up to set up official visits and things like that throughout the season. So I, I wouldn't imagine the JSU staff really, uh, coming through the transfer portal right now with the depth that they have in all the key pieces. Yeah, no, nah, nothing. You're not going to see any any big thing uh, happen right now. If they announce a commitment, it's a guy who's been on campus and like just announced it late. But nah, there's no new guy that's going to come right now. No, and you know where you can tune in to see that is CFL's channel. This dude, man, listen, they're stashing power five players under the bleachers at Jackson State, and somehow CFL gets all the breaking news. So tune into his channel if there's any, you know, random power five guys still there. And DJ, yes, and I'm sure C agrees with me, the running backs are going to be pass catchers in this game. Yes, yes, especially guys like Caleb Jolivet. Uh, with that with that blazing speed that he has. Now he's he's gonna be used. Guys like him are gonna be used in that passing game a lot, uh, too. Yeah, and um, I, I think I think that's why for me Wilkerson um is is the number one guy for me because I think he has the best ability to get out of the backfield and and go make a play. Starting tight end man, who have you heard um is the guy at, at tight end? I heard it's Key Mullins. I, I have I did I heard it's Key Mullins from uh, South Carolina, but Jensie Riley is, you know, if, if Key Mullins wasn't even there, I think Jesse Riley definitely would have been uh, first string, but I think he'll, he'll you know, definitely get his time during the season. But Key Mullins is that guy at tight end right now. And he's the, he's the transfer for uh, South Carolina, <laughs> South right? South Carolina, yeah. Yeah, he, he's, that, he's the guy. 
And so I know a I know a big question is how do you expect Jackson State to utilize the tight ends? You know, I think that's that's really up to Bartoloni. They haven't been given much. Like I've heard about the offense, but they haven't been given much details. All I all I was confirmed uh, with was that the tight end will be used more than what you've seen last year. Like because I think they realize that that is something that they really could have taken advantage of a lot more last season. So they have done the work to prioritize that in this new offense with Barlow. Um, but I don't I don't know how they'll do it. I don't know how they'll do it. Yeah, that's the big thing for me. Is this listen? The tight ends will probably be used more if they weren't so deep at wide receiver. Mm. I think that's the problem is that I think you're going to see a lot of five wides, which personally, I don't blame them. I mean, we just, we, me and me and Kobe just struggled trying to uh, put four wide receivers in the starting lineup. So I think you're going to have to go five wide. In my opinion, I, I think this one's for you. I think I know your answer here. Let's just be honest. Who's going to the celebration bowl for the MEAC? Come, come on, bro. Come on, bro. Them dogs stop playing. South Carolina State, they're going to be back. And, you know, if you want to tune in Monday to find out why, me and Tucker tell you, for sure. But, you know, nah, they're they going to be back, man. I ain't, I ain't even rooting for nobody else but my dogs. <laughs> I, I knew it was coming. Listen, y'all know who I'm on in, in the MEAC, and I'm sure me and uh, Tuck and C are going to go back and forth on this. I, Central, to me, is such a – Dark horse in that conference, man. And it's mostly because the quarterback spot, man. I love Richard's game. Richard is different. They're giving you hell in here, man. Multiple no, NCCU comments. The Central fans don't really rock with me because I put Delaware State <laughs> over, the, over them anyway. No. So, like, they don't, they don't really rock with me. And I, and I get it. I get it. But, nah, like, it's – nah. We'll, we'll see when that matchup happens. We'll, we'll definitely see. I'm going to be in Orangeburg. Y'all, y'all see me. Oh man, all the JSU fans said we ain't tuning in for that one. They said that we still got PTSD from from December, man. Still got PTSD. So the question, you know, we'll, we'll kind of uh, there was been some swat questions to hear, man, and we'll we'll go for another ten minutes, man. We'll get out of here. But who is who is your dark horse in the swag? Outside of you know, we know Jackson State is is the favorite to win. Who do you see emerging as a real dark horse in the conference? Oh. I don't really count Southern as a dark horse because I think they're right up there. Nor neither do I count FAMU. I don't think they're considered a dark horse either. Those are the, the prime contenders, them in Jackson State. So I would I would for some reason I'm gonna say Alabama AM. Ooh. I'm a, I'm gonna say Alabama AM. Like I I believe in them a lot more than I should for some reason. Like I do think like, you know, you you still have a lot of firepower on offense. I do believe Quincy Casey just needs this opportunity, and he'll show you just how great of a quarterback he is. Um, and then the fact that you went out they like they got pieces. The running back from Michigan State, like they they got pieces, man. And you also what bringing what thirteen to sixteen DBs. No, nah, yeah. I, I believe Alabama A and M could be the sleeper in the swag. And that one for Florida State, oh man, I'm blanking on his name for some reason. I, I can like picture him and what he looks like, but he's like. Six two or six three and runs like a four four. Mm. It was like an Under Armour All American coming out. Is Becker Carlos Becker? Man, that 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 kid looks legit. And they got another four. They got two four star DBs. I know for a fact. And then they got the um the kid who uh, was almost out with the back injury and apparently everything's healed up now. To Gabriel Floyd, former five star coming in. Man, if if he lives up to the hype 
that's going to be huge for them. It's just with Alabama A&M, I think to me, they're one of the biggest question marks for Grambling mm. just because, man, when you bring in, what, almost 50 transfers, like, I mean, I don't yeah. even know where to put them. Right. Like, nah, that, that, they have to be the dark horse, man. I think, you know, A&M, they really, they really went out and they addressed the needs that they needed to address. You know, even, even with that quarterback from Miami, I forget his name, uh, retiring, I think they're still in a good spot. Like, for, I do have a good feeling about that program. And, you know, I don't know where to put them. And, and it's a team that I'm really struggling because I, I never, I don't want to put Valley last in the, in the, um, in the in the division, but Bethune Cookman added so many pieces, mm. and so did Alabama State. Like that division with, with Jackson State, FAMU, Valley, Alabama A and M, Alabama State. Whoever finishes last might not be a bad team. Right, right. It's this, just this so is one of those deep. situations. I, I just don't know where to put them at because with Kamari Everett and Jalen and Jalen Jones and Walter Simmons having a really big QB battle. And with Kamari Everett finally having a quarterback, that could be the most dangerous thing for the swag. I understand Travis came in, Kevin, uh, Jackson State adding all the transfers. If Kamari Everett gets a real quarterback, I don't know if this, I don't know if, if there's a secondary that wants to see him rolling. And Jalen Jones has improved a lot as a passer since uh, spending time in Mississippi Delta. That I can how how much of a passer, how better of a passer he is, we don't know, but he's improved his passing a lot. So. I mean, if he wins that job, I could see them finishing the job like they should have did last year with a lot of schools. So, yeah, no, they're definitely scary, too. And so the question is, do you see a team throwing for 300 on Jackson State? No. Maybe. No, 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 I don't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No no disrespect to your school, but no, I don't. I don't. I mean, I feel like there's uh, it, looking at the quarterback position, just looking at their schedule. I think there's only a handful of quarterbacks that could even have the potential to even get close, mm. or the offensive or or the um offensive scheme. I I just because FAMU's not gonna th- not gonna air it out like that. No, not not, not, not those four running backs. No, no, and and from Tennessee State potentially. If Draylon Ellis goes off, but they run the ball so much that I don't know if he's going to have the attempts to throw for 300. Mm-hmm. And then Grambling, uh, we'll see. But I don't think uh, right now, from what I've been hearing about the quarterback battle, they don't have that guy. Yeah. Not, not a 300 yard guy. No, no. No. And with uh, the running back, uh, Maurice Washington, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think he's going to be more of the focal point early for them. I you know I don't see it with Alcorn this year, especially because they got a new quarterback and, um, it's so hard to go in and replace Felix Harper. Let's just be honest. So to replace a guy like that would be tough. I mean, Quincy potentially, because you got Abdul, you got Juice, and we know Connell Maynard is going to throw the ball right. everywhere. But the question is, do they have the do they have the offensive line to protect him to throw for that much? Exactly. And That's the question. And also you, you got to factor in junk time too, man. Because what happens if Jackson State jumps up on someone and it's like 35 nothing and in the second half they just kind of Toss everything, you know. They toss it around the yard and get some junk yards mm. on some backups. That that's that that would that would be um my thing. He said we picked the wrong time to go live. The Jackson State band is on. <laughs> what is the the band merge? What is the what is the band? Merge? Yeah, I don't know what the band merge is. Listen, we we're not band heads in this stream, so uh, you got to explain to us um 
what that is. And man, the final question before I let you get out here just about the swag is who do you think is going to be the disappointment of the conference that they're, they're just not going to live up to the hype they're receiving? Mm. The disappointment of the conference. I don't want to say it. I don't want to say it, man. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get blowback. <laughs> I'm gonna get so much blowback, but I don't want to say it. You uh, give me the division. You give me the division, man. All right, all right. Y'all, please don't hit me for this because I don't mean this. I don't mean this in a bad way. I swear. Oh man. I'm gonna say Valley. I'm gonna say Valley. You know. Like, I could say PV is going to be the disappointment, but to me, PV doesn't even have expectations to not be a disappointment. So I'm going I'm to say Valley, and I think Valley is so talented of a team. I don't think they're there yet. You know, I don't think they're there yet to where they uh, they finish, to where they get over five games, five wins, to be honest. Like, so, nah, I, I, I want to say Valley. And please keep in mind, y'all, I hope that I'm wrong on this. I don't even want to be right on this. <laughs> I don't want to be right on this, honestly. So now nah, I'm, I'm gonna go with Valley. D- Dancy's out there. He, he listen. He's he's returning the field right now, being like, "We're gonna prove CFL wrong." <laughs> he, he's got it on the whiteboard, week one. You know, for me, this is gonna be shocking. Okay, and I know. Listen, I, I'm gonna be. I'm probably gonna be blocked on Twitter after this from my, from my girl Yard Talk. I think it's Grambling. Ooh, Yard Talk coming for you. I, I've been on this. Tra- I've I've just been uh, none of the quarterbacks that they've recruited have really stepped up like they thought. We thought it was going to be Halloween. Apparently, he looks like trash. And I, I didn't want to say it. But, and, yeah. and then the North Texas transfer has not looked good. Amy, mm-hmm. Amy, listen, when your true freshman comes in, the kid that um, they just had committed, I'm, I'm blanking on his name too. Gosh. Um, uh, the kid from Syracuse? No, 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 no. He was the freshman they brought in, um, the three-star. Um uh, Ch- Chavez or Chavez, um, Julian. The he was a three-star freshman. He's second team right now. As a true freshman, oh yeah, with all a, those I, transfers and the number one quarterback in the scrimmage was the JUCO transfer, um, Hawkins. Q Hawkins was the guy who t- was taking uh, QB one snaps. And I've heard Faison looks good. I've heard Maurice Washington is a problem. I love Anderson at DN. But some of the transfers that they got in the secondary, listen, I don't want to call anyone out because it's some it's some things off the field. They aren't going to be there this year, from what I was told. They didn't qualify academically. They had family stuff come up. So some of those transfers that people are attributing to step in key spots in the secondary and some other spots on the defense aren't on campus like some people think. I didn't even know that. No, that's and so – I'm just I'm worried about their schedule too because getting as I, I know people are pegging them to beat Arkansas State out of nowhere. I don't know how that is coming together all of a sudden. Mm. Um, and yeah, listen, I didn't want to bring Devin Bush is, is one of those names. And okay, yeah, they, they said two thousand people are watching the merge right now. Oh, oh my god, <laughs> Jesus! Listen, they'll come watch the show after. Listen, me, me, and C got the YouTube algorithm down, but um, with Grambling, I just don't see them beating um Arkansas State week one, Northwestern State. They should be the favorite, but as we've seen, SWAC teams have struggled beating Southland Conference teams, mm-hmm. 
And I don't think that's going to be as easy of a game as people think. And then week three, they get, they get, they got, they got to go play Jackson state who potentially could have two huge wins coming into that game. Yeah. Go, and that's at the vet. That's the first home game of the season. It was 60,000. Oh yeah. Nah. <laughs> and, and like, let me pull up their schedule real quick. But if Grambling starts out, Owen three see how do you expect them to compete for anything you know, meaningful in the and so they go Arkansas State on the road. They're on the road against Northwestern State, if I'm not mistaken, right? I, I think so. Uh, yeah, and but... yeah, or it's a neutral site game because yeah, it's an independent stadium. Then they're at Jackson State. Then they're at Bethune Cookman. Then they got the State Fair Classic against PV, and they're on the road against Alabama A and M. They don't have a true home game till October 15th against FAMU. I mean, yeah, FAMU used their first home game in mid in mid October. Who's in charge of that? Who was in charge of that scheduling? Oh, yeah, my. and then at, so their home games this year, man. They they have three home games this year, and it's FAMU, Alcorn, UAPB. Then they go to Texas Southern, and then they got the Bayou Classic against Southern in in New Orleans. Yeah, I just. And I just, in my opinion, man, it's going to be so tough year one for Hugh Jackson to get that team rolling with the schedule that they have. And I, I want to say this. I don't think there's going to be a lot of bad teams in the SWAC. I'm not high on UAPB. I think PV lost a lot. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Grambling is going to be a bad team. I just think the SWAC this year is going to be extremely deep and extremely talented. And if you lose a handful of the games, like I'm worried about Alabama A&M. You picked them as your sleeper. But to open up the season with UAB, at Troy, Austin P week three, and then got to travel to FAMU week four. Man, like, and worst case, so Grambling could be 0-3, FAMU could be 0-2, and, and Alabama a could be 0-4 to start the season due to scheduling. This scheduling got to change for the swag, bro. It has to change. And... Okay, and uh, last topic, man. I, I know you, I know I gotta let you go here, but this is something that me and he commented. And you know, shout out, shout out to my guys over there, Bridge and Stop. I, I love there. them. Been on their show multiple times. I hate neutral site games. I'm gonna come out and say it. I'm gonna take the heat. Neutral site games gotta stop. Listen, I don't. I hate the fact that there's only four games, like four home games in a season for like teams like Jackson State because of those neutral site games. I agree with you. I agree with you. It's it's too much. It's too much. And like maybe, maybe one, maybe maybe yeah. one, but like multiple neutral site games a season. Come on, man. Like keep, keep like keep the classics, like Florida Classic, Bayou Classic. I'm cool. Listen, historic, amazing, bro. Stop just scheduling random games in random places. It's just not needed. It's not needed. Like, stop it. Like, unless you have a historic rival somewhere, whatever. Like, and I hate this at Power Five too. The fact that Auburn, Oregon had to play in Dallas, I wanted to. I wanted to fight somebody. What was the reason for that? Yeah, I was at that game. Listen, my my dumb self spent all the money to go down there in Dallas and see that great game. So I, I was dumb for that. But a home and home with those two teams would be amazing. Right. And so my thing, and I made this on on the show with show with them. In my opinion, the the reason I hate neutral site games, and it's because I've been a student at a at a program that has a that has a successful football program and has a great em- environment. 
and I love traveling. That's my biggest thing. And this year, I want to travel to a bunch of different FCS stadiums and things like that. The fans that travel for games that don't happen often lose the opportunity to lose so much to, to learn so much about your university, what makes your stadium special, what makes mm-hmm. your atmosphere special. And on top of that, they're not spending their dollars on your campus and your city. Exactly. And so that, in my opinion, that is the biggest waste of an opportunity ever. Because for me, the fact that, and I know Fam you and Jackson have played before, but if, if I'm a if I'm a fan going to the Orange Blossom Classic, I lose out as an average fan or just a college football fan experiencing Bragg, experiencing Tallahassee, that campus, the traditions, the atmosphere, and I miss it the next year when when it should be in Jackson. And so for me, I'm all about experiencing the different you know culture around different universities and atmospheres and things like that and so the fact that you know i don't have the opportunity to experience that and that fans miss out on that to me is the biggest is the biggest detriment to neutral site games i understanding going to big cities and being able to experience like you know being in dallas and getting to see everything being in jerry world but to me it would have meant more if i would have got to go to eugene oregon and got to experience Otson stadium in that campus and even at this level you know, being able to it, it like see if me and you were going to the OBC, like to me, I would rather go experience the vet in that environment and and be in Jackson experiencing that, or be in Bragg and be in Tallahassee and experience that. So for me, that's why I hate neutral site games, man. And and I think it takes away from it, and it's for as much as money is a conversation around a lot of these FCS programs. Why are we? Why is everyone cool with just taking the L on like all the money you could be making around the stadium and things like that to go right. play it, to go play in a, a, a random place. Right. Like, like Jacksonville stadium, you're not going to fill that stadium up. It's not going to look appeasing. Why play it that? Like, I, I just don't like it when I would rather just like prime said, I would rather pack that stadium at Bethune Cookman and, you know, just have that, have that atmosphere just look so much better. Like I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, cause even like, even looking outside the swag, Man, North Dakota State, South Dakota State's a great robbery. It would not be the same if it was played in Minneapolis. Right. Or Montana, Montana State being played in in uh Las Vegas or something like it just it just isn't the same. So that was my that was my uh so but listen, okay, I gave Gabriel, I said established classics can stay where they are. I'm talking about games like the Bethune Cookman Jackson State game that have no business being at a neutral site. Right. They, they just don't have business doing that. But, man, see, I appreciate you coming on the show. And, guys, if you're looking for some more Blue Blood CFL podcast content, we are going to be back Monday. My guy Tuck's going to be joining us. We're talking all things South Carolina State. Miak, we're probably definitely going to talk about the whole conference in that one because I know it's going to be some strong opinions, man. But, see, let them know where they can find you, what you got coming down the pipe, man, and, uh, you know, let them know where they can find you. Uh, so, you know, all social media, everything's the same, C-O-B-I-O-R-R, Kobe Orr, in full, all that together, that's where you can find me. And, you know, of course, the CFL podcast on YouTube, what I have coming up is, uh, I think, part two of the HBCU True Freshman Preseason All-American list. You know, I, I'm going to do the defense next. A lot of y'all hated that so many, well, at least three, but three South Carolina State players. You know, if it ain't Jackson State players, they be hating it. But nah, it's gonna be a lot, a lot more diverse on the defensive side for point two. So uh, definitely check into that. And listen, guys, I, I'll back him up. Um, that quarterback that South Carolina State landed, the true freshman, okay, is Washington. legit. 
he's legit. He is the he is the best true freshman quarterback that committed to an FCS program last year. Just gonna put that out there before I get out there. Um, for me, man, listen. Uh, previews coming out this week. I know week zero is coming up, so y'all can expect a Miac uh Miac Swag Challenge preview. Stephen F. Austin Jacksonville State do a live stream preview before the game and everything <laughs> like that. So stay tuned for that. We got CFL and Tuck coming on for the South Carolina State preview. Got a Stephen F. Austin preview coming. A Sun WAC preview. Got um. Uh, MVFC preview with Sam Herter potentially coming, man. A lot of stuff in the works. Um, and PPMG uh, ra- next round table is Wednesday night. Um, I got to get with Scotty and figure out. I know some stuff happened with this channel, so just stay tuned for updates on his on his side on that. But guys, for CFL, for myself, for the Blue Bloods, we are out for right now.